and welcome to the Text Intel podcast. It's my great pleasure to welcome the CEO of Witch PLM, Mark Harrop, onto the show today. I began my digital journey with Mark some 30 years ago, and I have to say thank you to him. Those early years really did change the course of my entire life. Mark is a renowned industry expert, and he has defined and introduced many, many groundbreaking innovations over the years. Today, we're going to talk about where we are some 30 years later and what we can expect for the future in our industry. So here we go, here's the first question of the day. Mark, what do you think the biggest change has been, or it doesn't have to be one, it can be a few, in the last, for the industry in the last three years? You know, what comes to mind for me, Debbie, the last three years is the, uh, the acceptance, if you like, of 3D. And, you know, let's just think about what 3D is. So it's 3D not only for clothing, and, and when I say clothing, I'm talking about soft clothing, but also 3D in, in footwear, 3D in accessories, and I'd even go further, and I stretch that, that, that 3D, uh, especially if you, if you put the virtual side on it, because if, if we're now digitally printing a 3D button, for example, or digitally printing a 3D substrate being a fabric, it's, I know it's printing and dyeing, but it's, it's almost in that 3D world in that we can build something in a matter of hours uh, that used to take weeks or even months. So, um, and, and, and also let me say this as well, you know, it's, it makes me laugh that, you know, people talk about 3D as if it's just been invented. Uh, you mentioned you and I 30 years ago. 30 years ago, um, I was selling um, footwear design solutions, 3D, 30 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago, I was working with um, Optitex and Browser in Tel Aviv 20 years ago. But everybody thinks it, it, it's right now. And uh, it has. It's exploded. And it's accepted. And it will and is making a massive impact in our industry. Do you, think, do you think that's because all the other software has had to catch up, all the other plugins had to catch up so it can become one workflow? I think, uh, you know, it's got pressures from every side, if you think about it. It's got pressures from sustainability. We, we've got the, the ongoing pressures of speed. Um, how do we reduce those samples? And we had, you know, on average, between three and five samples, yeah. prototypes, um, especially, you know, in, in the um, clothing world. And we had to get that down because, you know, we got the pressure of speed all the time, constantly. And there was a, the only way was either we have, you know, digital printers alongside the design system like you and I have been involved in, uh, certainly 20 years ago when we had our bureau service. Yeah. Um, and, and where we are today with these uh, digital printers that pretty much die on, on, on pretty much all substrates. So we had that as an option, but equally, we needed to see that three-dimensional product on the avatar. And in the older day, in the old days, the, the problem 20 years ago was you had to be almost a computer scientist to manage these user interfaces and the experience and so on. And it was it was damn tough for you know your typical designer. Whereas nowadays, you know the computers 
computers and the interface has got that much smarter that it's reduced the amount of work and the and, and made it simpler and easier for all of us to manage. Yeah, it's all so, user friendly, isn't it? It's super user friendly, but it but they've you, you know in the old days we made macros. You know we recorded all the key steps and then yeah. put them under an F1 or an F5, whatever, and we had these macro key, special macro keyboards to make life easier on grading systems and marking systems and so on. In a way, we've, we've done that, but with the inside. So software gets easier and better. And of course, the hardware, not just the software, the hardware to uh, view those files and, and you know, they, they look like, well, you can't tell the difference between reality and virtual and the virtual world. Uh, we've arrived there. So acceptance, we're off and going. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You're quite right though. All of that batching and everything else that we've done throughout all those different tools, all of that has to be automated, doesn't it? And in many ways, people do get concerned that that's de-skilling, but it's not. It's just automating the mundane parts of the, of the, of the daily task. In fact, I'd argue it's not the skill. I'd argue yeah. that it, it's delivering more than we've ever had before. Because you know, if you, if you go back to when you 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 know, I, I used to come and visit you, and you were hand painting designs, right? Yeah. And, and the hours and hours of work, and incredibly labour intensive by the craftsmen. And I get all that, and I love that. Don't get me wrong, absolutely love that. But that limited you to how many things you could do in a, in, in a given day or given week. Today, we have the options to, to say to the computer, right, I want to try, you know, 50 different color combinations. And within a matter of seconds, you know, we, we can try that, we can view them and, and, and decide on what's what. So we're getting, we're delivering more options than we've ever had before. And that's what people want. People want choice, people want to be different. So we can do it. We have time. Uh, we're not limited to uh, you know a, just a, a few designs. Yeah, we, so we, we're creating so much more. Yeah, it's interesting that actually as well because that's also affected trends. You know, going back years ago, trends would be you could predict a trend um, eighteen months, two years ahead. But now that doesn't exist at all. Trends are now, yesterday. Yeah, everything's current. Yeah, that's one of my um, pet subjects as well. Um, I, th I think we have uh, a blend of analytics. So, you know, what's happening, who's ticking the boxes and yeah. so on. But uh, along with the analytics, we've got the artificial intelligence. So, you know, think about the, you know, you go onto the website and all of a sudden something pops up that you've been looking at somewhere else. And you think, this is weird. No, it's not weird. It's obviously the artificial intelligence and analytics are tracking what we're doing and they're learning what we're doing. But likewise, if you put analytics and AI together, and then we've got the dynamics of real time, you know, we that trend that went from, you know, the seasons to the months to the weeks is now a reality, it's real. Yeah. It's, it's now dynamic. We can, if we wish, track that person. If they give us the right to, because remember, you've always got the right to turn these things off. But if you have them turned on, we can track a group of people 
or right down to an individual and then help make their choices that much better and, and closer to what they're looking for. Which means, I guess, ultimately, you've, manufacturing is, is becoming much more sustainable in that you manufacture, you already know what people want. Yeah, and, and you know what? This is where the analytics come in. Not only do we know what people want, but we start to make for what is required. Yeah. 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 And, and not the other way around. Yeah. Whereas, what have we been doing forever? We've, we've been planning, so the merchandisers and planners are working together and they you know, plan based on what happened last year, last season, last week, whatever. If they're, if they're incredibly fast, it's probably what happened last month. That, that's, that's reality. Yeah. And these days, we don't, we don't have that luxury. We need to know what happened an hour ago. And not an hour ago in our country, but an hour ago across the planet. And remember that the northern hemisphere versus the southern hemisphere, we're in winter up here, we're in summer down there. You know, you've got to, if you're an international organization, you've got to be looking at it all uh, in, in real time. And then, and, and what I love about that is we'll then make the right quantities yep. for the, those people. And we're not then putting all the product back into landfill because it's not sold or, or we've lost margin on it because we had to sell it at a cheaper price. That's absolutely right, and there's no stock. So, yeah, yeah you manufacture when it's sold, um, or for the huge, huge groups, literally 14 days in advance. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day who's shipping goods out of um, Asia, um, totally custom-made, 10 days in print, massive volumes here, which, you know, roll the clock back, would have taken three months to get through, the squeeze through the system. It's, it's immediate. Totally immediate now, which is great. Yeah, and you know what, Debbie, what drives me crazy right now is that, you know, we think, just think about digital print for a minute. What drives me bonkers is people not buying into it because they see that, you know, per linear meter, whatever, uh, printed in five, six colors, whatever, yes. um, is roughly speaking about 50% more than the uh, traditional. Um, printing methods but you know what if, if you do a return on investment on that you know we've got average three months as you just said and I totally agree with that three months versus hours in reality you know an hour would be 24 48 hours realistically from taking that print and getting it out now I've got a shorter uh, print I, you know, there's no minimums. I, I print what I need, I get it to market, I can sell it at full margin, I'm not putting uh, putting it back on the shelf, I'm not putting landfill. So the return investment is there. It, I, I just don't, I have no clue why our industry isn't responding that much faster yep. it, to this. Well, this was a really interesting conversation because with this company because basically what they have to do is they now have to invest in the Far East in digital technology so that they can service the West. Yeah. So it's they're, they're being forced to do it. Analog is still cheaper, but they won't get the orders because they cannot supply in two weeks. You can't, right. you know, you can't cut, screen, press, print millions, you know, thousands and thousands of meters and ship it in two weeks with brand new designs. Yes, you can roll on existing rollers, but you can't do brand new stuff that quick from such a long route. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting you, how it's just completely switched over. 
Yeah, and, and I, I read an article yesterday about one of the biggest printing companies in the world. Um, and, sorry, not printing companies, um, one of the biggest mills in the world. And it was talking about how many millions of meters that they're producing per day and that they've got stock, you know, of, of uh, product in the warehouse itself for fast call off and so on. They can convert that into products quickly. But that still frightens the life out of me if I was in their shoes because, you know, that stock, as somebody's got to decide on that trend, that color, that, you know, if it's a plane, I don't care if it's a plane or if it's a print, they've got to consider that and they've got to put it on the, on the shelf. And if that's X weeks of stock, that's already uh, potentially a couple of months in, in, in reality uh, out of, uh, trend or in trend that's going out of trend yeah so I, I i look to those companies and think wow you've got to change you've got to have a, a, a combination of bulk plain so on traditional but that's got to be linked to what's coming uh from the consumers down at the other end but equally you've got to be in this digital world and have a much broader uh, capability that can react yeah. incredibly fast and in yeah. bulk. Absolute flexibility. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think the industry? Um, do you think the the fashion industry can keep up with the technology? You think it's? I think it's slowed down a bit. Or do you think it's still changing incredibly quickly? Well, you know, I look at uh, I look at which PLM and. and and what we see so we get pretty much every PR release that comes out that says somebody has implemented um, a PLM system product lifecycle management or a 3d system in apparel in footwear whatever and if I, if I look at that the trend continues to be upward right so that you know it's double-digit growth in the industry as a whole uh, taking on new uh, technologies and keep in mind when we say certainly when I say PLM, what I really mean by that is a methodology, product lifecycle management as a method yeah. about improving the entire uh, universe of digital systems. So within those, that universe is pretty much every digital system that you're going to find, whether it's in retail, whether it's in the, you know, the down, uh, downstream in the supply chain, uh, right back to the mill, right back to the cotton fields. You know, it, it's basically the, the entire um, stream. And the trend is upwards for people deploying, but there are, there are sectors in the industry that are far smarter. So yeah. sports, sportswear is, is a perfect example of a, a business sector that is truly re-engineering the hardware they are uh, developing incredible pieces of software that work together with the hardware that enable us to build these, you know, uh, factories, smart factories, and you know, and smart the smart end-to-end -end, uh, processes. Um, and then there's others, you know, fashion, fast fashion, low cost, where they're still operating in an old-fashioned way, uh, I call it the Microsoft PDM, product data management, where they're working in email and phone calls and Excel and chasing themselves. 
Um, these are the guys that really need to. The luxury industry, one of the last industries uh, to get involved uh, in technology because of course it's all been on hand, craft. What's also exciting, and you, you can see it growing, is the luxury brands. They've really got involved in technology, certainly this last um, 10 years. And I respect very much, you know, their, uh, you know, their focus on handcrafted product, you know, using the best possible materials and so on. And they're a re little reluctant, certainly 20 years, 30 years ago, you know, when I was talking to them. Um, but in recent times, um, it, it, it's exciting to see these guys taking on new technology. And in fact, in some uh, areas, they're ahead of the game. You know, they're deploying blockchain uh, already. Really? And yeah, so it, it, it's, it's quite exciting. And, and you know, authenticity, uh, trust, and, and, and so on is, is, is key, but equally, they're deploying, you know, blockchain uh, to give that digital transparency of where products are. So, you know, there's one particular brand who can see where a single garment might be in the manufacturing process uh, because they can track it. Wow. And not only can they track it, but it, if, it's, if it's before a certain stage, they can make changes to that particular uh, product be it its color so they'll say make a yellow one instead of a blue one or make this size instead of that size in the same way as we would manufacture you know your cars today we buy a car you know obviously they're not sitting there in stock because you decide what le leather trim or whatever what you know color you're having and what wheels you're having and so on it's about choices and then those come together to make your car and you know uh, six, ten weeks or whatever it is later, you, you've got your new car on the drive. It's interesting, isn't it? Because really, true, true couture and true luxury in the fashion side was always customised, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was always bespoke many, many years ago. We kind of yeah. come, come full circle, haven't we? Really, in that, as you say, those brands by utilising the latest technology can make that efficient and affordable for, for more people. You know, another thing, Debbie. Being a work study engineer originally, um, and that's always with you for the rest of your life, is these machines bring in quality. So, you know, the machines, the processes, the software delivers a better quality product, and luxury is all about quality. So, if you're protecting the materials that you're using, if you're spotting any flaws, utilizing cameras and, you know, very high-end digital cameras and inspection and so on. Um, makes sense. Building quality. Yeah, that's incredible. And throughout the manufacturing process as well, I was watching, um, I think it was the, the Gerber Z1, the cutter with its automated camera, which yeah. can, you know, it, it allows for distortions in warp and weft, you know, right at that very, very early stages of manufacture, it's correcting the process itself. Mm -hmm throughout and that's got to be more sustainable hasn't it it's great that's precisely what i mean where you're building in quality into a process so why not why would you not yeah no it's, it's incredible um we touched on that question of um, can the industry keep up with the technology i guess to a certain extent a lot of this technology is quite expensive at the moment and i suppose over the next 
years it'll drop and then you'll see it being more used throughout the industry, won't we? I don't. Debbie, I'd argue we've already seen it drop dramatically. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so about, about eight years ago, um, I recorded the price of uh, the licenses for uh, CAD systems, for PLM systems, um, so on. I also recorded the um, cost of maintenance and support um, and the implementation cost of that software. Uh, especially on the bigger projects where they may run into hundreds of days, um, certainly on PLM, etc. And I've measured it every single year. And as we have got, you know, we've, we've gone from uh, uh, an internal uh, network, if you like, so a private network internally, so you've got a server and you've got the machines that are surrounding them, to um, the cloud. Um, and what we've seen all the time is the the ratio of number of days to implement a piece of software dropping dramatically because of the the improvements with the user interface, improvements with the software itself, uh, the experience. Um, you put all that together, and we've seen the price drop dramatically. I'll give you one uh, simple example. So. Uh, PLM software eight years ago was uh, between six and eight thousand dollars per single user. Right today, uh, using uh, PLM from the cloud, you're talking a couple of hundred dollars per month. So that's bringing it down to around fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. Depends which of the vendors you're choosing. If it is what we call a multi-tenant solution so that is let, uh, adobe for example the adobe suite is multi-tenant basically yeah. you pay yeah. your monthly fee and you download the software and you use it and you use it as is you don't configure it um you, you just use what's in the box we're talking uh, you know something like 70 to 80 dollars a month so let's call it a thousand dollars a year so there you go there's examples. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of look at it more from the manufacturing side where you see huge factories having to re-equip with um, smart technologies that can link to the machinery that they have and adapt what they've already got or have to go digital completely, whether that's cutting, printing, sewing, sewbots, all the rest of it really. Um, huge, huge changes to be made there and a lot, a lot, of, a lot of money to be spent to bring manufacturing process up to the level of the current software I think that's available out there. Would you agree with oh, that? I do, but let me let me give you, uh, um, I think, a solution as well. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take you back 30 years, right? So 30 years ago when I came uh, knocking at your door with, you know, the design systems and so on at yeah. dawn, um, we had a bureau service, if you remember. And we had the bureau service for CAD systems, for CAM systems, that is the cutters and so on, uh, for the printers, for digital printing, and we had a bureau. Well, I believe that we've arrived at a new uh, point in time where these digital printers, for example, were, were going to print onto fabric. Um, and we can use one of those that are out there, and I won't name names, but we know that they're roughly speaking, let's say a million dollars to put one of those into action. All right then, 
what's to stop a bureau service putting in two or three different printers Yes, it's, it's $3 million, it might be another million dollars in the premises, in the overheads, in the staff and training and expertise. Um, but then, ultimately, that can service so many uh, factories and o operations in that particular country. And, and that's what's happening. And you know, it's really interesting that you say that because there's a lot of talk about micro factories, etc., etc., at the moment. And I think, as you say, you, it may go slightly the other way that you end up with hubs. So you have expert hubs that provide locally all of the all of the, the main commodities that you need for your product. So everything isn't in house, but you have all of those expert resources locally so that you can do it fast. And let's look at that from a slightly different angle. You know, we've got governments saying, talking about um, sustainability and landfill and they're, they're annoyed at the industry for producing low-cost products and putting it in the market. Fine. All right. I hear that. Then I would say to the governments around the world, you do your bit as well. You know, don't just complain about it, but help us in the process. Help these hubs develop. Help create them help finance, help educate, you know, so that we can use them in uh, to improve sustainability. Help educate our consumer that to buy cheap synthetic product is going to do something to our landfill. In the way that you have done for smoking and you put it on saying, you know, it's bad for your health, blah, blah, blah and you've helped reduce people smoking all over the planet. Come on, do the same for landfill, do the same for clothing. Yeah, some penalties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that ultimately is what forces change, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Oh, I'm so conscious that we're taking up too much of your time, Mark. Can we, um, can I ask you perhaps a, a final question? Yes. With um, all of your intel. What new technologies do you think are going to impact the industry in the next five years? What's going to move us to the next level and get so many businesses over that over that mark? Well, let, let me come at this uh, very, very quickly. Uh, and I, I can do because I've been uh, thinking about this for a few months and uh, re re recently written a piece on, on which BLM about you know what I feel is going to come into the market over the coming years. And I think that one and this is in no order. I'll just I'll just redact it. So so I think the industrial Internet of Things, right? So joining those those hardwares and softwares um, throughout the supply chain, and instead of a retailer talking to uh, a manufacturer or agent, we need the entire chain talking. So from picking the the, the cotton or, you know, uh, developing synthetics that are, you know, build into fabrics that go into the, you know, the, the, the yarns and woven and so on and so forth. Let's connect that supply chain so we can improve it. And, and that's going to be enabled by the industrial Internet of Things, joining those digital dots right through. That is, is the race is on to start that. And, in, and some of the smarter companies are ahead. They've already to start started to join those dots. I said about the company in luxury who can who can literally spot the one garment. So that that has already started. I've already touched on in this conversation um, 
the blend of analytics and artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence, people think of it and go, oh yeah, that is, so he's talking about, you know, people going to Amazon and, and Amazon working out what they want. That's only one fraction of it. How about within our manufacturing design process, we say to the design system, hey system, I, I, I want you to come up with some ideas on silhouettes based on what you can see out there as trend. And the computer says, here you go, Debbie, you know, I've got, you know, 10 examples of, of a silhouette shape uh, and styling. Um, and then you say, okay, I want you to do some weaving for me. And it, it starts to weave. That sort of voice controlled intelligence is, is on its way. So, you know, keep your eye on that because it's happening. Uh, we talked about 3D and the uh, virtual uh, products and virtual twins. Again, the industry has already started. You can go out there and it may be a piece of clothing, it may be uh, an accessory, it may be some jewelry you're looking at. You think it's real, it is not real. That we are you. We are now looking at product that is a virtual product, but we think it's right, real, and then we're, you know we're clicking away. So the industry can then make based on you know the uh, the, the number of clicks. Okay. Uh, the other, uh, I think, for me, um, I've written about this in, in over the last year. But you know, I don't think people are yet taking notice because it's, it's not touched them. It's the usual, until it touches them, they don't take notice. But, but get ready, 5G. 5G is on its way. And keep in mind, if you've got a 4G phone with you right now, 5G will be 1,000 times faster than 4G is. And 4G was only 100 times faster than 3G and is continuously improving. That can, continues to improve. But 5G, 1,000 times faster. So your phone, your computer will enable pretty much anything we can do on a high-end computer. Imagine that. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it, really? The speed, uh, yeah. Yeah, speed of processing. Right. Then we've got authenticity we've got blockchain um, you know people think about cryptocurrency when we talk about blockchain but if you think about the underlying technology of that cryptocurrency is blockchain blockchain will enable trust authenticity it will enable payments it will avoid us having to sign documents you know it will pass through uh, untouched and we will know down to a meter where a particular process has just happened um, instead of having to trust. And then uh, I, I guess my final thing is about generations. Uh, people are talking about the new shoppers, Generation Zs, you know, the people that were born in the 1990s and through 2000s. I want to, I, I've written about this and, and, and yes, they are influencers, but uh, and they're influencers of sustainability and individuals and so on and so forth. But you know, let's not push the blame on millennials and certainly the baby boomers. We all care, I think. There's a great deal of us care about sustainability and about product and so on and about choice of product. We don't all want to wear the same garment and, and, and go to that 
party or whatever and look and you go, oh no, I wish I hadn't worn that today. Um, we want to we want to be individuals, and I think the industry needs to listen to those individual choices and those personalization and stop talking about it and do something about it. You know, get on with it. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's interesting, isn't it, that as people collaborate, it generates more individuality, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. Um, and it's through the strength of that collaboration that whether you're a baby boomer, a millennial or a Generation Z, as you say, everybody cares. Everybody's just as impatient for change as well, I think. Um, and it will happen. And of course, there's people who don't care, um, sadly, but they exist. They exist in politics. Uh, they exist, uh, but I, I think most nice people, good people, do care about what we do, whether it's in our back garden or on the other side of the planet. They do care. And I, uh, uh, at 60 years old, uh, cares very much. Um, and would I prefer to use a natural product? Of course I would, but I would also be smart enough to think natural co products have cost in terms of the amount of you know, resources it takes and water it takes to grow them and so on and so forth. But don't sort of just go, baby boomers don't care. We do care, millennials care and Zeds care. We all care. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great ending note. We all care. <laughs> and a bit more sustainability and kindfulness for, for, the, for the years ahead will be uh, very welcome, won't it, for everybody. I think by all of us working together, that will uh, going to happen faster than if we don't, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I've run over talking too much, as I always do. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you and your team again soon. You're lucky you got me to uh, shut up fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, lovely to talk with you, Mark, and let's speak soon. Take care. All right, take Thank care. Thank you Bye. very much. Bye-bye. Bye, David.